0: Maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today, we'll take a break from our verse-by-verse teaching to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. The title of this sermon is, I am your God, I will uphold you. Here is the first half of this two-part study. I entitled this simply I am your God, I will uphold you. I went back and forth over what scripture I was going to teach today. I'll be honest, it was and I think any of us that have taught, we know what it's like when it's when we're trying to push a a square peg in a round hole, trying to force the scripture in. And I think that's what I was doing on Wednesday. And then I tore up the outline and threw it away. And I was at the pastor's meeting and I was like man I, I don't even know what I'm teaching this week and Pastor Dan from Prevailing Word grabbed my arm and told me about a time when he went through this and, and how it was that God showed up and he prayed for a special revelation he's like Lord's going to give you something to teach and then on Thursday it all came together through this verse I am your God I will uphold you when you look at these four points that we're going to look at today you have the assurance of his presence and these are all his attributes in this little bitty scripture you have his attributes defined the assurance of his presence fear not for I am with you you have the assurance of his person be not dismayed for I am your God the assurance of his power I will strengthen you yes I will help you and then you have the assurance of his grace and righteousness, which are both attributes of God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Anyone who studied the book of Isaiah knows that Isaiah is dealing with the loss of King Uzziah. He's dealing with death. And death is something that we deal with throughout Scripture. If you think about it, David throughout his life dealt with it. You know, Moses, they watched a whole generation die in the desert. That's a lot of people. Jesus was Lazarus, grieved, wept, And here we see uh, Isaiah who is dealing with the death of King Uzziah. And he says in Isaiah 6, 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. And so the way that that is put is actually... Saying that he is the great and wise king. He died. It's a tragic end to his death. But Isaiah was disillusioned. He was discouraged that the king had passed away. But remember, it's the earthly king that passed away. He died tragically. King Uzziah started his life well, but didn't finish well. But Isaiah, as he's going through this pain of losing the king... And, and I'm sure he's asking the question that we all ask is, Where are you in this, Lord? Why? Why at 48? Right? Why so tragically? Why so quick? We ask all those questions. And do you understand that God over time will answer those? What I love about this piece of scripture is in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year the king of Uzziah died, who shows up for Isaiah? The Lord. And the Lord will show up for you. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The Lord shows up for Isaiah in the text, and the Lord will show up, and he shows up for him again in Isaiah 41.10. When he tells him, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The beauty of this piece of scripture is those four attributes, there's actually five attributes within this piece of scripture. The attributes of God. I've told you all this, that it's important for you to know those. That He is all-knowing. That He does stand outside of time. That He has all knowledge. He's unlimited power. He's grace. He's love. He's mercy. He's righteous. He's holy. What are you going to cling to in the valley? God? His attributes? See, if if you don't have a relationship with God... The assurance of His presence is like understanding Like the thing we need to cry out for is God. The thing we need to cling to is God. As we look at the first one, of the assurance of His presence, Fear not, for I am with you. You have the omnipresence everywhere. God is, is everywhere. He stands outside of time. He has your whole story. He knows the exact date and time that He's calling you home to be with Him. Not unless you come home in the rapture. And that looks like that's coming sooner than we think. If things continue to go the way that we think they are. But he knows because his presence is everywhere. In Job 11 verses 7 and 9 it says, Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find uh, the limits of your Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol? What can you know? The measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. My favorite verse is this one in Jeremiah 23, verses 23 through 24. God asks the question, am I a God near at hand? That's a rhetorical question. Because if he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. He's with you. Says the Lord, and and not a God afar off can anyone hide himself in secret places. So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, says the Lord. You aren't hiding things from God. There's no secret place that you have in your heart, in your head, in your house that you're hiding from God. He's not afar off from you. He's a God that's near. He's a God that stands outside of time. And In Psalm 90 verses 1 and 2, Lord You have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world and and even from everlasting to everlasting you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, even in this time of grief, in this time of mourning, in this time of trial, in this time of, of, of suffering, He is God. That hasn't changed. David says in Psalm 31, verse 9, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. David is dealing with deep grief. And, and, and understand, David lost Jonathan. He would have lost men in battle. He lost his, his son. And here he is with deep grief. And the thing that he's talking about is the great pain that he's in in the grief. My eyes waste with grief. They're filled with tears. I can't see. But God is there. Habakkuk goes through the same thing in Habakkuk 3, verse 16. When I heard my body tremble, my lips quivered at, my, at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. Habakkuk is so stressed over the prophecy and what's going to happen to the nation of Israel and the deaths and the captivity And the pain and the suffering that they're going to go through, that his body, his bowels tremble. They start shutting down. His lips quiver. The word quiver here is as of an earthquake. That's how bad they're shaking. But it says, Rottenness entered my bones. It would be no different than a piece of wood that has been termite filled and is crumbling. He can't hold himself up anymore. That's how bad the. The worry is, the hurt is, the stress is. Daniel goes to the same thing in Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. And behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand these words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been, I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I and and I've come because of your words. His presence is everywhere. God knows everything. Daniel is in a place of deep grief and and deep concern over what is going to happen to these nations as they fall and people die and they're taken into captivity. To the point where he's he's not functioning. He's just crying out to God, and God sends Ab- uh, Gabriel the angel. And the first words out of Gabriel's mouth: "Old Daniel, man, greatly loved." Can I tell you something? You can insert your name there. You can insert your name there. Old floor woman, greatly loved. God knows your pain. God knows what you're going through. At the point of understanding your heart before the words have been heard, I knew them. I had already planned on sending Gabriel. Gabriel's coming. And then Gabriel's there. And So God knows what's going on in the presence of our lives today. God knows because he heard David. God knows because he heard Habakkuk. God knows because He heard Daniel, and God knows because He hears you and your cries. And it doesn't have to be grief or mourning. It can be, it's terminal. It can be illness. It can be watching a life crumble before you because of sin. And the hurt and the pain that it is to watch that happen. Because people want to be prideful and do what they want to do. But I love what Psalm thirty four eighteen says. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and save such as have a contrite spirit. Even in those moments when we have no words, we have no nothing but tears that are pouring out. In Romans chapter eight, verses twenty six through twenty seven. If you if you are his, you have the Holy Spirit that resides in you. It says likewise the spirit also helps in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with with groanings which cannot be uttered now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God there are times that you don't even know what to pray and I tell you, there are times when, when we go through trials and tri- tribulations and suffering, when we go through mourning, what gets pushed off? God's Word. What gets pushed off? Prayer. Fellowship. We're just hurting. We're, we're in deep mourning. I want you to understand that is because what we see here in John 11, verses 33 through 34, is that God not only understands death, but His Son does, Jesus In John 11, verses 33 through 34, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus saw their grief. Jesus is there, and you can think to himself, he's thinking, It was never supposed to be like this. But Adam, death was never supposed to be on this earth. Illness was never supposed to be on this earth. Neither was sin. And he hears the weeping, the moaning, the wailing, the crying. And Jesus weeps. He hurts. But there's something very important in that verse that y'all need to get. It's who did Mary and Martha run to? Jesus. During our time of mourning as a church, during our time of mourning as, as individuals, as we mourn, because it, it, like, can I, I've told y'all this on Wednesday night, when somebody passes, it brings you back to the person that you lost. That's the reality of it. And and it's hard. But the, the thing is, is are we going to be like Mary and Martha and actually run to Jesus? In James chapter 4 verse 8, it says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Joshua dealt with death. As he tells them to fear not and, and do not be dismayed, Joshua is dealing with it, and we see again the presence of God showing up in Joshua's life. Understand that Joshua and Caleb were the only two out of the whole generation that survived. So all of the millions of Israelites died deaths they would have seen because they were the only two that believed that they could take the promised land. And now Joshua has lost his mentor, Moses, his brother, and, and it's, it's listed here in Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. It says, And after the death of, death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. So now Joshua is not only dealing with death, but Joshua is having to deal with death and grief and mourning. And at the same time, trying to lead a bunch of young generation into the promised land. So you can imagine the weight of that. And yet God gives him something that I believe that we all need to hear today in Joshua 1.5. He said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He's encouraging him. He's saying, look, I, I I stand outside of time. I'm omnipresent. I am with you. I will be with you. I will walk with you. I will carry you if I have to. Because I am your good shepherd. He's encouraging Joshua. And that would be my hope is that you would understand as we read that first portion of of fear not that you would understand like we, we do become fearful when things happen. But do you put your reverence in God? The person who stands outside of time who's omnipresent, who's with you? We may not understand it in the moment that it happens. But do you see God a year from now three years from now where you go man God showed up here and God did that I, I wasn't expecting that I can see where God's hand even though I was in pain and I couldn't see it at the time and my eyes were filled with tears and all I could do was mourn he was carrying me through the, the valley remember we said this, this, this Wednesday night that uh, in Psalm 23 that, that you're to go through the valley uh, the valley for some of us is not to make it to the other side The valley for some of us is the glorification of our bodies to heaven you're still getting through the valley it's going to happen but sometimes the Lord calls us home now we see the assurance of his person as we see be not be not dismayed for I am your God so we see God's omniscience and 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 God is is God's infinite understanding and knowledge and and so one of the things that's hard to do is you go, be not dismayed. It's like, why? It's, it's hard to be not. I am dismayed. I'm hurt. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. And it's understanding in our finite minds. Is, is we're, we're struggling with the process of, of dealing with the loss. We're struggling with the process of understanding, how could this happen to me? Like, how, how could you tell me I have cancer? Right? How am I not supposed to be dismayed? Those are, and, and I'm telling you, those are legitimate things that you have to, you're going to have to work through. I'm not telling you not to have those because I think those are natural things that we go through as, as human beings. Those are questions. Where are you at in this, Lord? Those are real questions that we struggle with. But we understand in Psalm seven five that God's understanding is infinite. In Romans chapter 11, verse 33, O oh, the depth of his riches, both of his wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. You may be dismayed. But you have to understand when he's saying this to Isaiah, he's saying this as I am the God who spoke creation into effect. Let there be light. And I created you. Do you not think I'm going to take care of you? And especially if you're my child. You're my child. I love you. So when he says do not be dismayed, that word actually means don't anxiously look around. Oh, Lord is so anxious. I get anxious too when this happened. I was looking around going, what's happening? I was just with them Sunday. And it doesn't have to be morning. It can be, we just had somebody almost get robbed. And I'm going, but they're fixing to teach. What's going on? Why would you, God, what are you doing? It's so easy to be dismayed, right? Back in treatment. Now he's struggling. My brother Robert, and I'm going, he was doing so good. Don't we do that all the time? I'm telling you as a pastor, I'm being honest with you, I struggle with this. I look around anxiously going, but what I love about this is understanding that within this is to understand that he is the God of creation. He is all-knowing, right? And he, he's got things under control, it doesn't seem like it. And in the moment you're in the storm, it does not. And you're struggling in your faith. And all he's saying is cling to me. You cling to me. You cling to me. It's it, And that's why he, he says that in that verse is is I am your God. Am I your God? There's two verses and they're not going to help. Anybody who's in the middle of a storm right now and whatever you do don't ever give these verses to somebody after a death. Okay? These verses are they'll make sense 6 months from now, 6 years from now. But Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord's plans for welfare and not not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And, and in that time that you're in that storm, you don't want to hear that. that. Don't ever tell somebody this verse. That's something that they'll have to get to on their own. The other one you don't give is Romans chapter 8, verses 28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to His purpose. Don't ever give that to somebody who's just lost a loved one. Okay? Those are hard verses. They... Those are verses that I believe in, that I believe are true. But again, within that month, within that year, within 10 years, they may not see these verses. But you need to know that you serve an all-knowing God who has a hope for you, who has the knowledge and and, and is saying, Look, I, I know you're dismayed, but I have the rest of the story. I have the rest of the story. Just trust me. That's why when, when we look at that, it's, it's easy to be dismayed and, and hurt when we're grieving, when we're struggling with pain and suffering and trials and emotions. And can I tell you, probably the best thing that you could do for somebody is just be a great listener. And that is the hardest thing. So women, please get this. That is the hardest thing for men to do because we, when things happen, we want to fix it we start looking at why wasn't I here or why wasn't I there or why couldn't I have been what if I would have just did this and that's what men do but you don't have the answers men God does so what we need to be as good listeners be willing to sit and listen and pray that's what Tony was Tony was a great listener great observer he, he observed stuff and listened and, but that's what we should be you need to allow people to have their, and, and, and that's the other thing. Everybody grieves differently. Just because six months from now you've moved on and you're able to continue and get going again, doesn't mean that other person can do that. You have to give each person their time of grief and mourning. That's why it tells us, I love that Jesus covered this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? For they shall be comforted. Jesus knew that death was a real thing that we were going to have to deal with. But he's saying, look, when you mourn, you will be comforted. And that's what the church's responsibility is. That's what our our call is to do, is, is to understand, like, there are going to be a ton of people here next week. But guess what's going to happen the next Sunday? Back to California they go. And this is where the church has to step in and be there. Remember I told y'all what discipleship was? When you're taught, you learned. Christ, right, is you're walking life with people. And sometimes walking life is really hard, especially when they lose a husband, a father, and a son. So why am I not dismayed? Because I know who my God is. We have to trust who God is in our lives and in our time of, of trial and suffering and, and tribulation because... If He is my God my God is with me and my God will comfort me My God will strengthen me and my when I cry out for help my God will help me Because it, he I, I love that be not dismayed for I am your God and he uses the I am statements Right, we have the I am I am going back to Exodus. Who do you tell them to say he sent me? I am I? am and we see that that Jesus confirms that he is the son of god through those i am statements in the book of john i am the bread of life in john 6:35 i am the light of the world in john 8:12 i am the door in john 10:9 i am the good shepherd and boy do you need to hear his voice today in john 10:11 and verse 14 i am the way the truth and the life in john 14:6 i am the vine in john 15 verses 1 and 5 and then finally